Hi, I'm Shiv. And I'm Chitra. We are the co-hosts of this show, Software People Stories. We are happy to bring you stories of people associated with software as makers or consumers. In every episode, we talk to people on their own personal and professional journeys, their interests and approach to work and life in a free-flowing conversational format. We hope that you will be able to draw your inspiration from their experiences and insights. These podcasts are made possible by PM Power Consulting, who have helped individuals, teams, and organizations on their delivery excellence journeys. Hi, welcome to this edition of the Software People Stories. Today, I'm in conversation with Visveshwaran SK, popularly known as Viswesh, and we talk about a lot of things. Viswesh is a veteran of the IT industry, having started his career sometime in the mid-70s, and with a keen interest on technologies related to database management systems. He also has other interests, and from his experience, he shares how working with punch cards made him a disciplined developer, and how even while writing a database system, he had to fit everything, including the application, in 256 kilobytes. And the surprising thing was that some of the code that he wrote was actively in use even 10 years after it was first released. He talks about his personal style of programming, as well as the impact of uh, agile ways of working and how that is relevant in today's world. The implications of big data on database thinking is also something that we touch upon. And finally, some of his interests outside of software. And overall, all my interactions with Visvesh have been very, very energetic and I've always had something to learn. And this conversation is no exception. Listen on. Hi Vishwesh. Welcome to this episode of the Software People Stories. Hello, Shiv. Yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, and um, I was mainly in the, interested in talking to you because of the vast experience that you have and in all our interactions there has always been something that I have learned. You look at things very differently and a lot of detail that you go into, even if it is anything that is new. Thank you. So, we start uh, the episode with uh, the guest doing a self-introduction first okay. as to how you got into IT or software and then any other interest that you have. Okay. Hello, Shiv. My name is Viswaswaran. Uh, I graduated from IASE. That's where I got uh, introduced to computers for the first time. That's mm-hmm. when I saw a computer occupying a whole building. That <laughs> uh, was IBM 360. I also worked on the same computer before it was sent to Baroda. Uh, yeah. In fact, in those days, we used. In fact, I only in second or third year, I could get hold of a few punch cards <laughs> so that I could do some programming. Mm. There were more terminals then, mm. only punch cards. Mm. But anyway, that was a good experience. Mm. But the actual, the way I got into the computer was, I was lucky enough to get into IIT Madras. Oh, okay. Uh, computer science and mm-hmm. uh, tech after mm-hmm. I did that. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got into computer uh, discipline more seriously. 
Okay. And uh, even there, we used, had to use the punch cards. <laughs> Um, but they had a bigger computer, IBM 370. Okay. Uh, we used to use a language, it's a modified Fortran, Watt file. Okay. Uh, we used, since we are computer science students, we used to get uh, one hour of run every day. Mm. So we could submit okay. uh, multiple times the same job card. To, we don't have to wait until the next, next day oh, to get okay. the results. Okay. And, uh, Otherwise, uh, after that, uh, that was in the year 1975 to 78. Mm -hmm. So that was the introduction to computers. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I joined a company in Bombay. Mm -hmm. Among all computer companies, those were doing so in Bombay. Mm -hmm. Bombay. Okay. Uh, and I joined a company called Hinditra. Mm -hmm. They were representatives for digital. Okay. For the biggest mini computer vendors those days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there uh, I got to work on a lot of uh, new programming, programming things. Mm -hmm. uh, we used to have those mini computers, we used to do programming in a language called BASIC. Okay. And the operating system, although digital computers, we had in-house BDP-11. Okay. And the operating system we used to use those days mm -hmm. were RSTSE. Oh, okay. And although digital used to have different OS, mm -hmm. the RSTS was more suitable for business use, better suited than RSX. R R T R. Okay. So you know we used to use RSTS mm -hmm. and uh, we had uh, uh, this was in a Bombay Eros building and uh, we, the configuration we had those days was a particular 34 with mm -hmm. uh, memory of 128 KB. <laughs> oh. And we had uh, two removable disk drives. Mm -hmm. Each had a capacity of 80 MB. Wow. <laughs> and it used to be like a huge uh, washing machine. <laughs> so it was interesting those days. Yeah, also, mm -hmm. we had two tape drives that most of the data when needed were backed up. Okay. That was my first. The thing is, those days, since it's the initial days, we had to develop lots and lots of tools. Okay. And, uh, so, one of the tools that yeah, I wrote those days was a printer spooler. Oh, okay. Uh, later on, we developed various other tools, but this mm -hmm. was the, one of the first tools that we developed. Okay. Because uh, those days, uh, one of our clients was an electricity board. We used to, they used to print electricity bills okay. overnight. Uh -huh. So, we used those spoolers to print. Okay. That was the thing. So those are the main initial days in computer. Okay. And later on, uh, I went to US for few years. Mm -hmm. Worked on a couple of uh, customer applications. Mm -hmm. One of the applications that I worked on was called Spayable. Okay. Uh, it was a company called Abcor. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got introduced to, to more seriously on database systems. Okay. So since the 
PDP 11 and the RSTS environment didn't have too much of, uh, mm -hmm. they were not really used that much in the commercial environment. Most of the commercial applications were using IBM. Okay. But this uh, AMCOR, they used mm -hmm. to use PDP 11 yeah. okay. and RSTS. They had to develop an in house database system. Wow. And used really? to be called AMBase. Uh -huh. And that's where I got introduced to the database environment. Okay. And uh, so uh, I kind of became more interested in databases in okay. those days. Mm -hmm. After I came back, mm -hmm. it was in the early 80s, mm -hmm. the Hindutan company where I used to work mm -hmm. uh, started selling uh, a PDP 11. That is Indian version of PDP 11 that's called SLP. Okay. And for those machines, they to they needed a, a database system. Okay. So they thought they could develop one. Hmm. And that's where I got involved in development of the database yeah, system. Yeah. Wow. And of course, uh, Jorai mm -hmm. uh, was the architect and mentor for this particular project okay and uh, we had a team of about another six of us mm. uh, developed a project mm. uh, developed a, a database system <laughs> this database system was named Gemini uh, generalized multi-user interactive database okay for this what we did was about all six of us rented a house in Mysore wow. Hmm. And because uh, the getting a computer time was difficult, mm -hmm. so we got a computer time from one of our clients. Okay. The and the time was available only in the night, mm -hmm. so we would design, write the program during daytime. Okay. And then enter into the system and develop the, the database in the nights. Oh. Okay. And this. Uh, process of this development took almost more than uh, about 10 months. Mm. Mm -hmm. The key aspect of this database development was interesting. In the sense, the main challenge we had mm. was we had only a total memory of 256 KB. Mm. That is double what you had on yeah. the 360. And the 256 KB included. Uh, the OS memory, oh, okay. C library memory, uh -huh. our program, uh -huh. and the data. Okay. So we had to manage almost everything okay. within this 256. And the applications kilobits. also need to run everything. Okay. So it was pretty big challenge for us mm. managing the entire application development within this memory. So mm -hmm. we had our own memory management. Mm -hmm. Code okay. that we had to develop. The other thing was the another challenge that we had was we wanted to develop this particular software mm -hmm. using a C language. Okay. And there was no native C compiler. Oh. So those days we had something similar to the open software mm -hmm. within the digital world. There was a data school. Okay. So there was a Dekas, somebody had in his own free time uh -huh. developed a C compiler, it was oh. called Dekas C. Uh -huh. We used that. 
from digital came later okay like when they had a package called dbms this used those called codacil based okay micro database mm-hmm. all those things came to the data okay so this particular thing was a pretty big challenge here. but after that i was involved in the enhancement and maintenance of the sub that software for almost another few four years okay and the uh, gratifying thing was that there is an incident that i need to probably recollect uh-huh. is that after I, almost after 10 years mm-hmm. okay i think i was working for global data okay i got a call from somebody yeah. asking whether i know somebody who has a experience in wax <laughs> okay yeah. i asked why right? yeah. i don't know he said one of the customer uh-huh. wanted to port yeah. the Gemini database oh. to uh, vaccine development. <laughs> that indirectly meant that they were yeah, using, using that for almost 10 years. Wow. So that was yeah. pretty gratifying. Yeah. Developing this particular thing, another that if I had to redo it, mm. I probably would have chosen to adopt a standard, okay. which we did. Mm. The standard would have been relational database. Okay. but it was kind of although it is relation based database system it is not okay so in fact we do it probably would have considered yeah, adopting a standard hmm. so those were my initial days mm-hmm. in data uh, okay after that i joined a company called cormadosa okay where they had a, they had developed mm-hmm. relational database okay so i was for some time as to work with them mm-hmm. adding features mm-hmm. i was not there in the initial stages okay. of the development so i just added to the team mm-hmm. and added some features okay uh, that was the second stage that is where i was okay and then early 90s i went to us for some time worked on couple of projects mm-hmm. and came back mm-hmm. and joined global okay initially those days it used to be called coromandel coromandel solutions coromandel so we went to yeah. different names yeah. so that's where i met you also yeah and go on and there been i've been with them since 94 <laughs> and within the global this has been pretty good worked on different projects mm-hmm. Uh, most challenging has been been to be part of the huge project cosmos okay so there uh, i was involved in the again the user end of the database okay i kind of was involved in the database design and mm-hmm. developing the reporting framework okay mm, nice a lot of things uh, some curiosity questions what is the configuration of your laptop today 
<laughs> in fact, my phone is probably on the side of this laptop. My phone is breaking up then. The computers that we used to use those days. In fact, I migrated from punch card to terminals to now using touch interface based systems. Things have moved on. So, talking of uh, database and the application side, and I guess when you started, even though you said you were writing on basic and trying to look at C and all that, pretty much very close to the machine. Yes. Yes. And then as the programming technologies themselves evolved, when people moved more towards visual programming, did you find that useful for you personally from your style of working? And did you see any change in the way, let's say, programmers approach programming? Definitely. In the sense that initially, uh, the way I look at it Mm -hmm. is that uh, the development those days were more, what is the environment itself? Mm -hmm. In the sense that we didn't get much of the computer time. Mm -hmm. So we had to be at our desk most of the time, Mm -hmm. preparing our code. Mm -hmm. Either in the punch card or mm. you know, print out mm-hmm. and then ensure that they are perfect. Right. Uh, as less uh, I mean mm-hmm. error free as possible. Yeah. That is one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. The other aspect of it, the coding style itself. Mm-hmm. The the first part is that we moved from punch card to the terminal where mm-hmm. you could Terminal, we could uh, correct the code mm. as and when things happen. If we mm. interpreted code, we could always mm. uh, correct the code interactively. Yeah. Whereas the, the the current system, or maybe those days, it used to be. I would look at it as more of a procedural. Okay. We need to ensure the, how the programming or data flow or the logic flow. Mm-hmm. The way I look at right now is more of an event based. Okay. What happens when something happens, how to react to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of small bits and pieces of procedure okay. that respond to okay. events. Okay. Event could be anything in, in terms of basically triggers. Trigger based. Okay. okay. So it kind of you look at it, look at those days in a big you basically have an idea of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Now we are kind of, I think we are confined to uh, small portions sure. of code okay. and how they react to, react to a particular event or that's mm-hmm. where Although okay. it's still procedural to within that context, yeah. but you, yeah. you don't have a high level picture. Okay. So is this more in terms of the microservice architecture or even otherwise in general you see the trend of writing only small pieces of code? I think, there are, less, I think there are various reasons for that. Mm-hmm. In the sense that the support system that is available now, mm-hmm. uh, supporting code, mm-hmm. they almost have everything. Okay. We just need to write some small portions uh-huh. and make use of the existing, uh, okay. let's say, infrastructure, framework, other okay. things. But in those days, we almost had to write the entire mm-hmm. So I would say, there's a kind of slowly things are moved away from writing the entire system mm-hmm. to writing only 
portions of the code that you need to implement yeah. and fitting into the existing framework. Yeah, that's interesting because one question that I wanted to ask you was how did you test the database that you wrote? <laughs> we, those days we used to have, I mean, we used to test it by writing some application okay. code which yeah. will call our database system okay. and also take care of basically have a database system mm -hmm. or database uh, data, data. Okay. that will fit into various test cases okay but then honestly speaking it could have done a better testing <laughs> yeah. so uh, the question was only the leading question the actual question was when you had pretty much the entire system yeah. under your control Yes. When you wrote this, you said that you had to build those pieces that were not there and all that. Yes. So testing also, you had a lot more control. Yes. Now today, when you plug into existing frameworks or pieces and then you may not even know the big picture. Yes. How does one test? So the, the way I look at it is that for the specific piece of, let's say, code or the logic that we need to implement, we mm. need to clear about what is expected mm. for that particular thing. Mm. So even though you may not, somebody has to know, mm -hmm. somebody who has a overall picture of the entire uh, application okay. should know how things will behave. Okay. But the thing is for the code, these are the code that we are going to write, we need to know what is the input and what is it expected to behave. Okay. And within the context, only you need to be tested. Okay. So you don't need it, need to worry about the other things. Okay, that's the way I would look at it. Okay. See then, in the old IBM 360 days and all that, yes. uh, there used to be this concept called the chief programmer teams. Yes. Compared to that, today everybody wants to adopt an agile way of working where there are small independent teams that take a lot of decisions and then move ahead and so on. Yeah. Uh, so do you think this is uh, useful or sustainable? For building large-scale applications, um, I see. I, I have not worked in a large team, okay. but I think the small teams are the way to go. Okay, uh, in the sense that they are more. I think in the current scenario, mm -hmm. developing large applications, mm -hmm. one has to be very clear about what they want to develop. Okay, I don't think we could we can develop applications that. We cannot deliver to customer or usable customer that takes longer than three to six months. Okay. If we are not able to give to a customer mm -hmm. within a particular time frame, mm -hmm. uh, I think the scenario, the usefulness mm -hmm. has changed a little. Okay. So we need to react to that. Yeah. So in my view, we need to be able to deliver something to users quickly. Okay. Towards that, I think smaller team, which can think and deliver quickly, would be useful. Okay. So, where would um, the open source, you also mentioned the Decker's C yeah. compiler and all that. Yes. Where somebody creates something and then makes it available, yeah. pretty much free for everybody else. Yes. If you are passionate about uh, giving back, yes. how does one create something? when um, you say that uh, we have to have a three to six month kind of a window yes uh, any tips for someone who's looking for a problem to solve that they can give to the others like the, the thing is 
currently we have I mean, looking at those days we we had to develop lots and lots of tools and frameworks mm. to use it mm -hmm. all those things currently mm. i don't think we need to develop them okay the way i would look at is in the current scenario mm -hmm. we probably need to choose the existing frameworks okay. rather than develop one okay maybe you can customize it mm. and modify it mm. to suit a particular need okay and in that process we can contribute to open source mm. or some modified framework okay. but we're not making too many change okay so that is one aspect and if there are some new application scenario mm. that's one thing we could okay do it in open source okay but there are many 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 tools and frameworks available which could be mm -hmm. used okay and there's no need to redo that so are these open source or do you get locked into some vendor technologies both it's on board frameworks both okay some yes uh, but as far as possible if you can make most of those are available okay uh, as a open source mm. only issue could be the support mm. support mm. Uh, so if there are like for example we have to do the these uh, office mm. products mm. if you had to do a programming interface to do that and generate reports and things like that mm -hmm. there are open source tools available if okay. you want to generate an excel file from mm -hmm. uh, say java or something like that okay. there are tools available okay but then there are limitations there are support issues okay so if we are not able to fit into that mm. we can make make we are forced to make use of some commercial stuff so since we were talking about databases yes um, there are two questions that i have now one is this whole um, big data yes now today everybody talks about using big data using machine learning using you know, as if you know data is a utility is in a pipeline and whenever you want to tap data and so on so is that leading to more unstructured data or uh, what do you see the trend with uh, no, big data it is both mm -hmm. in the sense that we used to have structured data mm -hmm. data that is uh, in conventional way like relational database that we used to have mm -hmm. where the tables everything is relationships are all defined mm -hmm. and that is mostly used in transactional environment mm -hmm. but with the amount of information that is collected these days mm -hmm. be it uh, in terms of pictures be it in terms of the videos in terms of mm -hmm. all kinds of data that we collect mm -hmm. it, we need to look at a different way of storing them mm -hmm. and retrieving data when needed okay. so yes uh, neural architectures using the uh, big data data bases and mm. NoSQL and various other mm. but there are umpteen number of NoSQL database management systems available yeah. which could be used so mm. I think in a way to manage huge amount of data we need to do that yeah could you mention NoSQL because that was my next question yeah um, the one popular Okay. misconception or popular uh, understanding of this is that NoSQL means that uh, 
there is no structure i can do anything i want everything will be you know available that not really yeah so while we normally don't get too deep into you know technology in this podcast yeah. uh, if you can quickly share the significance of you know, no sql from a developer's perspective somebody who's used to developing let's say more structured applications using query languages and all that what is the change needed to get oriented to no sql no it's, uh, it's i don't i don't think the no sql databases can be used in all environment okay it has its place mm-hmm. so just like relational databases have its applications mm-hmm. the, the simplest example could be a key value pair okay okay so basically you, you access data based on a particular key mm-hmm. and then all the related data based on that particular key okay uh, i would say that is the yeah. simplest uh, nosql database okay of course there are different variations of how mm-hmm. it is stored how it is structured how mm-hmm. it is how mm-hmm. so based on that mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, one of my uh, favorite questions that I'd like to understand even for myself is we did talk about testing earlier. Okay. That from your experience, yeah. uh, have there been any instances where uh, some bug or a defect that uh, you know, took a lot of time or was complex before it was solved and after you cracked it, say, oh, how did I miss this or how did we not do it like this? There have been many bugs, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure I can recollect anything which is... Uh, anything in hindsight, saying you can maybe we should have done it differently. Okay, if you look at it this way, it's mm-hmm. not really a bug. Yeah, it may not be a bug. Okay, yeah. one aspect, there are two things. One I mentioned was that if I had to do it, to mm-hmm. develop the Gemini database, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. probably would have chosen a for standard mm-hmm. relational mm-hmm. database. Okay. The relational database those days were just evolving. Yeah. So, uh, that's what mm-hmm. second thing which is still being in the one of the larger databases that work mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. global mm-hmm. was the uh there one of the thing was that uh, you have to do the reporting mm-hmm. i was involved in both okay. the database design and the reporting mm-hmm. uh, framework yeah. in although the uh, etl mm-hmm. and the nightly tasks that are mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. is a common practice okay I think you are wasting too much of resource. Okay. Probably if I had to redo it, mm. probably I would have spent some more time to see whether we could have avoided that particular process. Okay. I think there are too much of computer time mm-hmm. and resources wasted there. Okay. See, that is uh, another uh, challenge which I've heard from many. When you are quickly stitching together systems, yeah. you know, based on existing frameworks, existing applications, and uh, they each one of those components kind of has a different path of evolution. Sure. We don't know how fast they'll move or what changes will be there and so on. Sure. So when the data structure changes yes. or how you communicate, there's always something that breaks down. Yes. And many times. even in large enterprises when they try to accomplish some kind of rationalization yes. the first thing they look at is uh, can i have an enterprise data model okay. which is a golden source or how do i do that and so on but with uh, 
everybody trying to develop an app today yes. which takes maybe a few specific transactions or a few specific actions and it automates them yes what can be a way to at least talk to others at a data level i didn't understand yeah so we used to have these uh, the directory standards x500 x400 and all those kinds of things uh, for data is there something that you see as a need or as something that is evolving i think there is a need mm. for standardization mm. but let's say just i don't know that's really related mm. but right now let's say i'm in and i invest a few some money mm. in couple of mutual funds okay the problem is each one of them report in their own way yeah and there is no standard mm. whether they whether they capital capital gain calculation mm-hmm. or whether they weigh mm. they report dividends and all of them have a different way of yeah. reporting there is okay. no standard so okay. i think there is definitely a need yeah. for standardization okay. or at least something where uh, somebody else can understand mm-hmm. maybe if not one standard there has to be at least some couple of standards okay i don't think there is currently there is any standard in way Mutual funds are reported. So similarly, okay. there must be issues in every mm. application. Mm. There is a need for standardization where you need to consolidate information. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that I answered the question. Yeah, you answered that. But yeah, uh, at least I think in the financial sector, mm. there are probably some accounting standards, some things that could be used. But when it comes to other applications, whether yes, yes. even maps or anything that we yes. use on a regular basis. You switch from one phone OS to another phone OS, then probably you know you exactly. can't even exactly. Or two different apps, which I would say you have cab aggre- uh, aggregation apps. Yes. Probably don't share information, or they don't want to probably. Exactly. Uh, but uh, as a user, yeah. I think it uh, definitely introduces a lot of waste. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a need for a standardization. Mm-hmm. In fact, when we are mentioning about one voice to another voice mm-hmm. and just another un- totally unrelated stuff mm-hmm. i don't know whether we can talk about it now sure is that the way the technology or use of technology is evolving mm-hmm. it is very very difficult for I mean, or it is very intimidating to other citizens because mm-hmm. i have a few neighbors who are kind of mm-hmm. past uh, 80 75 okay. but still the current environment they are forced to use technology okay I mean forced even i would call even using a phone as a technology mm-hmm. and simple things like excel which is mm-hmm. very simple for us mm-hmm. they find it very difficult mm-hmm. we get make it become very difficult for to differentiate or not differentiate cut and paste to drag and draw uh-huh. okay. moving something uh-huh. they feel they are all different things so we need to find uh-huh. a way to make it comfortable or make it easy for them mm. i don't know whether it's totally unrelated but mm. i think there is some need to make technology not intimidating to others. yeah so that's a very interesting point because uh, to some extent yes technology can be intimidating but the whole 
concept of uh, you know, what used to be called user friendly is that being lost today when uh, we develop applications or uh, is there that empathy for the user to, to some extent mm -hmm. yes to those who are not in this particular who are not technology who are not into this mm -hmm. it is integrated in the mm -hmm. sense that even from moving from one OS version to another OS version mm -hmm. suddenly you drag to life then you mm -hmm. drag to up and <laughs> things like that and then people yeah. get confused yeah. but that being said that, that will be there but the thing is everything every day to day things in life today is technology driven whether mm -hmm. you pay bills or mm -hmm. buy something online in the market mm -hmm. or make payments everything is if you are not able to do that mm -hmm. Life becomes difficult, mm. and these things need to be made friendly. Mm. I don't know how, but mm. Mm -hmm. for people who are not, who are, I would say, technology illiterate. Mm. I don't know whether that's the right word, but who are not into this, who are new to this field. Yeah, absolutely. People do use that term. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, from slightly going away from the main thing, but then there is a, a reason. You also have other interests. Okay? Uh, we want to talk about that. And the reason I'm asking is, uh, you know, when somebody is interested in something, probably even over time, when one ages, one is able to maintain that contact or that intensity. So, is there anything that we can learn as software creators from other disciplines that will help us? make these more, you know, some people call it habit forming or some people call it uh, effectiveness improving, whatever is the purpose, so that it grows with the people. I don't know that uh, uh, the answer that directly, <laughs> but I'll tell you how I spend my day. Okay. The thing is, one is I listen to music. Okay. But I'm not, I can't differentiate various ragas and other things, but okay. I, if something is pleasing to me, yes, I listen. Yeah, yes. So I spend a lot of time listening to Carnatic music mm -hmm. and also Western classical. Mm -hmm. And that makes me, that basically makes me happy. Okay. Uh, makes me not agitated. Uh, okay. Makes me cool, makes me, cools me down. Okay. Uh, maybe that does a positive effect. I also start a small garden mm -hmm. in the terrace. Mm -hmm. It's taking away a lot of it. Although it's not very fruitful, mm -hmm. I spend some time watering okay. those plants. And okay. Then, and when I look at some flowers blooming and things like that, I feel very happy. Okay. And I also spend time trying to help some of our neighbors mm -hmm. in the areas in which they like to learn in terms of the, using Excel files to. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, things like that, whatever they need. Mm -hmm. Or making some online mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Another thing I'm trying to do now is trying to do some sales. Just I'm trying Excel file is to consolidate the information that I receive from various uh, mature funds. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm nice. trying to see where I can, how I can get all the information out. Okay. okay. One more thing I'm doing is trying to make manage a website. Okay. Of, uh, one of the temples that that Oh, nice. So so I'm not, I'm not sure whether I answered your question, mm -hmm. but this is the way I spend the day. Okay. So whatever I have learnt, I'm able to put to use. Mm -hmm. But whatever 
I'm doing now, I don't okay. know how it can be useful yes, in the So this is one question that uh, I've had uh, for many years and I don't have an answer or I don't know how to proceed further also, is that when you take uh, music, yeah. the way traditional music has been you know, taught or how people or how children start learning that, if it is, let's say, a set of core patterns that they have, and they talk about this Tala, Raga, Menakarta, and then how Ragas can be built, derived from each other and all that, then one gets into programming. And we used to talk about the Gang of Four, the design patterns and all those. Can we borrow some techniques from the music world you know, to help people at least understand, appreciate and apply patterns quickly? Or by looking at it, they know this is like Avaswaram or this is not going to work to make it productive. Whether there is a possibility of this kind of blend of music and software development. I'm not sure I can answer the question, but mm. I think both the disciplines require mm. systematic learning. Mm -hmm. You have, you cannot be, I mean, if you want to be a professional in that particular domain, mm -hmm. listening and music is different. Yeah. Whereas if you want to perform musical program or you want to do program, you need to be, you need to learn, mm -hmm. you need to learn, you need to spend a lot of time learning. Mm -hmm. uh, so hard work is only, mm -hmm. I mean, every day you need to spend because may not be so in the music world, things probably don't change. Grammy world, things change every day. Okay. So you need to be a lot more hardworking learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Any tips for people entering or people wanting to choose software here? I don't know, let me free time. Yeah. One is you need to enter, think of entering computer programming field. You think you have a interested in it. Mm -hmm. You should not enter it just because it's a another job. Mm -hmm. You need to have an attitude. Okay. And in the process of interviewing for people, found that even people who are gone through computer science course mm -hmm. find it difficult to do a simple program. Okay. So basically that means that they didn't have attitude in programming. Mm -hmm. You need to choose the computer programming field if you have attitude. You need to be spending time learning new technologies every day. You need to project mm -hmm. time to learn new things mm -hmm. every day. And if possible, share your code with others, get comments from them and try to keep improving that. Okay. Yeah, so peer group support networks, mentors, yes. all that. Because they will give different ideas of improving that writing a different way, mm -hmm. so it could be helpful to both. So, very nice Viswanesh. Um, thank you, thank <laughs> you Shiva, it was a kind of honor for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was very enjoyable and there are more questions uh, which I will come back to you and then anyway we will also share if you are okay, your contact details so that if somebody wants to reach out to you, sure. you know, for help, sure. for review. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. Thanks Shiva. Thanks Viswanesh. If you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that, please get in touch with us at podcasts at pm 
powerconsulting.com. There is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com. Please rate the show on Podchaser, Stitcher, iTunes, or any other podcast client that you find us on. Please also share our episodes with your friends and others in your network. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our show, do write to us at this email address, podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.